Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. I'm going to knock this thing over anyways. Um, so tonight, I have a story for you guys. Is that, no, it didn't fall down yet? Okay, cool. So I have a story for you guys. So I actually am a runner. I don't know if I look quite like a runner right now, but I was running down this dirt hill. And I don't know if you knew, but you can actually just like stop exerting yourself when you're running down hills. When I was running down this hill, I just let gravity take me. You know, I just started leaning into it as I was running. And as I started leaning into it, I just started to catch my breath. And the wind was blowing so much that my hair was permanently held back. And it was even longer than this. It was all the way down to my shoulders, right? (laughs) And I just leaned into the incline. My feet were smacking the ground so loudly that it was like, you know, reverberating in my head. Have you ever heard a sound that is so loud that you hear hear the echo of that sound directly after. That was my feet hitting the ground, and I was just leaning into this hill, and I just, I literally got to the point where gravity was pulling me, and I was getting dizzy. I literally thought I was going to fall over, and my heart started to race instead of calm down because I thought I was going to die. (laughs) I thought I was going to fall, but I made it to the bottom of that hill, and that was the first cross-country race that I ever got a medal in. And so it's crazy. If you lean into the very thing that feels like it's hurting you, that feels like it's taking you further than you ever thought you could go, then sometimes it's not going to kill you. Sometimes you're not going to fall. And I don't think it's as much an exact science. Every hill is different, but every hill is danger if you lean into it. Some of you are like, I got to try this when I get home, right? (laughs) You know? So anyways, it's scary when you put your trust in something powerful that you cannot control. This time... I was in the hands of an impersonal force called gravity, right? But I placed my safety in the capable hands of gravity. And I wasn't using formulas. I just leaned into it. And I wasn't quite sure how much I could lean before I was going to get hurt. But I just put my trust in that gravity. What about other people? What happens when you put your trust in something powerful that you can't control, like someone else? They have the power to hurt us. They have the power to uplift us. They have the power to encourage us and the power to reject us. Whether we sustain a supernatural environment depends entirely on whether or not this is a safe place, on whether or not this is a place where people can be powerful, powerful to choose, powerful to do what they choose. Is this a place where people can make mistakes without being judged? Is this a place where people can take risk without feeling rejected? Is this a place where we can try new things? Because if people don't feel comfortable taking risks, they will never step outside the boundaries of what they know. They'll never step outside the boundaries of who they think that they are. And so I think it's up to us, and it comes down to whether or not we empower people to have choices or we dictate what they will do with their time and with their life. So a community that has a culture of honor will be intimate, require personal responsibility, and provide choices. That's what I'm going to be focusing on tonight. I want to have a culture that's intimate, that's vulnerable, that's open to feedback, but also a culture that has personal responsibility, that calls people to action, saying you are always responsible for your own actions. 
and what you do affects others. Provide choices and punishing others. So we, we need to provide people choices instead of punishing them until they surrender to our will, until they conform to the way that we think that they should be, until they just get that compromise out of their life. And sometimes it's so easy for someone to open up and just say, hey, I'm struggling with this, and for us to go, ugh. That's weird, right? And that person feels completely judged in that moment. And maybe it is wrong. And maybe it is weird, right? But I think we need to make a place for them where we're not hurting them until they conform to look exactly like us. I think if we require personal responsibility for these people, then they'll get to make the choice on their own. So I think the first step to being intimate is to sacrifice our time to invest in community. Some of you have heard me tell you this one-on-one, but there's a price that I pay to be here every single week. There's other stuff that I could be doing. Man, I was actually really tired this week, not going to lie to you guys, and I really just wanted to sleep. But you know, there is a sacrifice that I make to be a part of this family. You know, it's fun to go to hangouts, but sometimes it's awkward. (laughs) Sometimes you get rejected. Sometimes you don't know what to say. It's weird for me to meet new people. I'm like, I don't know what this person going to think of me. I've never met someone like this before. Literally, never. I've never met anybody quite like you. So, <laughs> there's other opportunities that I have forgone, foregoed? What? <laughs> to spend time in community. And there is a cost that I pay. Some people talk about community like it's just a net positive all the time. But there's a price that I pay to make friends here. There's a price that I pay when I open myself up to people and I become vulnerable. In the words of Danny Silk, intimacy is into me you see. It means that I open up part of myself and I let you see what it looks like on the inside, the things that I'm passionate about. And you know what? If I tell Kimmy about that book that I'm working on and I fail, then she is going to (laughs) know. She's going to know that I never wrote that book. If I tell Thomas about that song that I'm writing and I share with him, he's going to know that that thing never goes on the radio if it doesn't. He's going to hold me accountable to that, even subconsciously. And so there is a fear in opening up. If I really tell people this is my dream, what if I don't make it? If I let them see inside of me, what if they think that's just weird? What if they think it's weird to be a guy whose dream is to preach sermons that empower women? What if that's kind of strange? And they're like, I think you're a little bit off track. When you share your dream with someone, you have to be vulnerable. Intimacy means into me you see. And to understand what vulnerability really looks like, I want us to think about honor. Honor isn't just compliments. Honor isn't just, hey, you're doing a great job. Honor actually means that you glory in someone else. That you actually use the quality of your life, the talents that you have, the time that you have, what you have access to, to increase the quality of their life, to come alongside them with that dream. It's not enough for me to just look at it and be like, Billy Graham was an awesome man. It's easy to do that. It's easy to give compliments, but that's not what honor looks like. Respect actually has action behind it. Respect means allowing people to have input in my life. If I really had a shred of respect for Billy Graham, then I would allow his teaching to enter my heart, and it would change the way that I saw abortion. It would change the way that I saw suicide. It would change the way that I saw the forgiveness of God, because I respect that man. I've opened myself up to his teaching, especially about Hebrews chapter 9, and it's changed my life, not because Billy Graham's a great preacher or because I say nice things about Billy Graham, but because I allowed him to speak into my life. 
I was vulnerable with what I thought about sin, vulnerable with how I saw Hebrews chapter 9, and I was like, I'm going to adjust and think about what Billy has to say. (laughs) And sometimes it's someone in your community, right? Do we have a place to speak into each other's lives? Can anyone actually tell you when you're wrong? It's not going to take long, trust me. (laughs) We're all wrong all the time. But the question is, is anybody able to speak into that part of your life? Do you open up that part of your heart to other people to allow feedback? And so the key to connecting with each other, the key to going deep and not just spending years together, but actually growing in relationship is to be intimate, is to share about what's going on in our hearts, and to actually talk about emotions that we're feeling. Like, I feel hurt. I feel stressed. I feel whatever. I feel angry. I feel betrayed. I think sometimes we're afraid to voice our feelings because we're scared that we won't be heard, that people won't understand. But what we should really be afraid of is if we have to keep all those feelings inside, is if we have to deal with it alone, because I already know what alone looks like. I already know what it looks like to fight this battle by myself, and I will not go back to that. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I will not go back to that, whatever it costs me. Whatever shame I experience through opening up to other people, I will pay that cost. I will ask those people for prayer, even if I'm a leader, even if I'm the one preaching that week, because I'm not going back to doing it alone. I've chosen to be intimate with people, and that means that they can see into my heart. And I don't go around telling each and every single person, this is my dream, this is my greatest fear. But there are people in my life that I have given that position of intimacy, where there's a respect where you can speak into my life, and you can see into my life. You can see into my heart. And so that's what honor really is. Honor means that you're vulnerable. Honor means that people have access. Honor means that they can give feedback. And honor means that you can give feedback. I don't want to just be a teacher. I want to be teachable. And I have learned so much in every Bible study I've ever led. I can't tell you how many of my sermons I've got up here and confidently shared in front of people, and they have no idea that I was talking with someone at 11 a.m. randomly just about something about the Bible. And I try to give people credit, (laughs) you know, when I'm quoting them and stuff, but I have learned so much about God through other people when I'm there to lead them, (laughs) when I'm there to share the message, when I'm there to, you know, do the sermon. Even Even times in, like, um, when, I'm, when I'm not looking for it, when people like give me feedback on things, when they just kind of walk up randomly, they talk about what they're thinking or what they're going through in their quiet time, God has spoken to me so much. So much so even when there's people that have not, not been my friends, people that have been enemies, they've actually taught me a lot of things about God. <laughs> they've taught me a lot of things about the Bible. And they helped me identify flaws that my friends couldn't see. And so the next thing is that A community of honor requires personal responsibility. And this sounds crazy. This sounds like, oh, man, I don't want to be responsible and accountable to all of my actions. But trust me, you want to be responsible and accountable to every single thing you do at all times. (laughs) Because to be responsible over something is to be powerful. To be entrusted over something with oversight over it is to be given given important things and trusted with those. Because to be responsible... Like Danny Silk says, basically I'm just quoting Danny for like this whole sermon, you know what I'm saying? So anyways, to be responsible is to be response-able. 
If I'm responsible for what I did, that means I'm able to respond. That means that I can do something about it. If it really is something inside of me, then I can do something to get that out of my life. If it was something that I wasn't responsible for, maybe it's out of my control. Maybe there's nothing I can do to change it. But if it's me and I'm responsible for what I said to that person, then I'm responsible to fix that relationship. I'm responsible to clean up that mess. I'm able to do something about it because it was me. And if I don't want to do that again, I'm responsible to do something about it. I can choose to behave differently. It's so critical that each person believes that they're able to respond proactively and reactively. As soon as I discover I play a part in creating a situation or a problem, there I discover the thing that I can change. There I discover the thing that I can do. As soon as I discover, you know what, in that hardship or that hurt, in that you know, relationship or friendship where this bad thing happened, I played a part in that, that's what I can change. That's what I can do something about. That's where I can start to adjust. If I played a part in it, then I can repent and I can change it. I'm powerful to be able to do something. So trust me, you want to be responsible and accountable to everything you do at all times because that means that you're never in a place of powerlessness. You're never in a place where you're stuck being controlled by something that you have no will or access to change because you're responsible. You're a responsible adult. You're adulting, right? (laughs) That means that you can change. That means that you can do the dishes. There is no one on this earth who can make me do the dishes besides me. There is no coercion. There is nothing that they can do that could force my hand to do those dishes. But in the moment that I will to and choose to, I can do the dishes. Even if someone were to threaten my life and my physical safety, I choose to yield my will to this person in order to do the dishes. I'm using my own hands and exerting my effort and my will to execute the action. I have yielded my will to theirs, even under coercion. I am responsible and accountable to my own actions at all times. But requiring personal responsibility means that regardless of circumstance, we are powerful to change, alter, and improve and have control over those things. So what do you really control? All you can control is yourself. There is no other human being on this planet that I have control over. In the words of Danny Silk, there is nothing I can say or do that will make someone punch me in the face. Even if I punch that other person in the face hard, there is nothing that I can do to force their hand. Like I said, they still have the choice to choose how they will respond. And so there is no one else that I have control over besides me on a good day, (laughs) right? (laughs) And so if I am out of control, if things in my life are out of control, who is not exerting their will? Who is the one that is out of control? It is only me. Sometimes we just get so broken up about our circumstance trying to control us and all this stuff, and we just feel like, man, I'm just a victim to my circumstance, but that is not where you want to be because I don't know how to change your circumstance, but I know you can change you. I know you can act differently. And so like I said, you have a choice. There is nothing on this earth that could take that away. Because you have options, especially when it's, when it's to do with yourself, when it's to do with your free will. And so I think the last thing that we see in a community is that a community of honor is one that provides choices. When I counsel people, and I know some of you are like, David, you've like given me advice before, right? But <laughs> when I counsel people, I really try to be the one to give people options and to not just say, 
this is what the Lord says, <laughs> you know? Even when I tell people this is what the Bible says, I'm not trying to say this is what you should do. I'm trying to say this is a verse that you might not know or you might not have considered for the situation that you're going through. But ultimately, it's up to that person to choose. Man, I can even pray over that and do all this stuff, but that person still has the ability to choose because in a relationship of love, they are powerful. And like I said, I want them to be powerful because there's nothing I can really do to control them. It's all an illusion. Even if I get someone to yield to my will, it's just me punishing and, and using all these strategies to get them to do something without them actually, you know, I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's just, it's just them yielding their will to like me because of the things that I'm doing and it's still them choosing when they're going to yield. And so what's crazy is that we can choose to respond to people with um, love instead of with fear. It's so easy to respond with anxiety. And what I want you guys to know, especially as we're getting closer in this community, is we're starting to be vulnerable with people, is when people are feeling anxiety, they show you the very worst sides of themselves, the very worst of who they are. And so sometimes people freak out and like all this stuff happens. And some of my friends are like, David, like, how do you hang out with these type of people? They're like crazy, right? So some of my friends can't be friends with my other friends. And I'm like, guys, like, this person's just feeling anxiety right now. Like, this is not who they are. This is like one moment in their life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't define them by this one failure or by this one time where they said that really mean thing to me. You know, and like I said, there's a cost that I've paid to be in this community. I think I've probably been offended by almost every single person in this room at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a very opinionated young individual, right? <laughs> and so it's crazy. There's a cost that you pay, but it's worth it. And, and what I want to say to you guys is that I'm no, I don't want to just uh, punish people or, or like make them feel weird about the things that they're doing in their lives. I want to provide them choices. I want to speak to them and encourage them that, hey, you can do something about it. Like I said you know, earlier, if we're intimate, then I can speak into their life. They can speak into my life, right? And so we get to create an environment where instead of punishing people by getting angry, by using the silent treatment, by yelling or violence or whatever control looks like, where we can actually be a community that doesn't get mad at people or exclude them because they have things in their life that we can't handle. That our value for them would be dependent on our own decision, our own evaluation, and our own way that we see them and not the way that they act. That the value that I could have for something could be so much deeper than me just saying, well, we'll be friends if we agree. <laughs> well, we'll be friends if you get that thing out of your life. I want to tell you, if you follow Jesus for any amount of time, and as this community starts to grow, there's going to be people that come in that have way different backgrounds than us. They're struggling with all kinds of things, and it's going to be crazy. <laughs> you know, the early church actually went through almost a split because people were upset that they had changed so drastically. The culture had completely shifted, and there were so many young Christians in the church that were just struggling with all of these crazy sins and just, you know, drinking all this alcohol and having these wild parties and the other people in the church, they couldn't handle it. But we don't have to be a community like that by punishing these people, by getting angry at them because we just need to call them to who they really are. We need to call out the gold in them and that'll cause them to choose out of those options. Once they realize they have a choice, they wouldn't choose to live like that. <laughs> no one would choose to live like that if they realized that they were made for something more that they were never meant to be dependent on that thing, that they were never meant to be controlled by that thing. If they realized they had free will, they would consistently walk in freedom. 
And so I want to read a verse in the Bible that you maybe have read but don't really know that well or maybe haven't read before. It's actually Psalm 32. Hopefully it's verse 8. And I think we're going to look at it in the NKJV. And what's crazy here is that we see that the Lord God is guiding David. He's guiding the psalmist with his eyeball, which is just really weird. Hopefully that's what it says up there, right? Okay. Can you do the NKJV? It's probably, that's a lot of words. I love the Passion Translation, though. Okay, great. I will guide you with my eye. <laughs> yeah. No, Passion Translation is my favorite translation, but honestly, <laughs> like that was a lot of words. <laughs> if you ever try memorizing verses and you read the Passion, it's like, wow. Um, so God actually... <laughs> I can't handle this. So God actually, he leads us with his eyeball. I don't know if you've ever tried to do something with your eyeball, just like exercise control over someone, but it doesn't work. I don't, I don't know what that means. Like, is that something like a, like a husband and a wife say to each other? Like, when I just look at you a certain way, you'll know what that means? That's exactly what that means. What God is saying here is that he's chosen as the most powerful being in the universe who loves you more than you could ever imagine, that I will lead you as your Lord with my eyeball. <laughs> and what he means is that by the expression on his face, by just looking into your eyes, he's going to lead you. You can see hurt on someone's face the moment you look into their eyes. You don't even have to see their expression. If you see their eyes, you can tell that they're hurting. And that's what God does. He just looks at us sometimes, and if, and if we're sensitive to look, we'll be like, oh, I think I'm hurting God right now. And that's how he's going to lead us. He's actually going to get us to adjust our course to help us discover that we have choices, that we're powerful people with just the way that he looks at us. And that's the model that I want to present to you guys for our community. We can lead each other with our eyeballs. <laughs> Which is crazy. It's crazy to think that if, if someone is doing something to hurt me or, you know, like say, like I do sort of have a problem sometimes when people are like cursing all the time or cussing or something like that, right? Sometimes it like triggers me a little bit. All I have to do is express to that person, this is a feeling that I'm feeling inside of me. When this thing happens or when you say those things, it causes me to feel anxiety. And I don't want to feel like that. And sometimes I can just look at them and they can see, oh, I might be hurting this other human, <laughs> right? And then the ball is in their court and they get to choose, am I going to adjust the way that I'm behaving or not? And so this is what God does with us. He leads us with his eyeball, which is just totally crazy. Oh my gosh, what says, what's on the last page? <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. And so what I want to tell you guys is that this is the kind of culture that I want to fight for. I want to fight for a community where we get to be intimate. I want to fight for a community where we get to have intimacy and speak into each other's lives. And I want to fight for a community that requires personal responsibility because that is the only place that you will discover your power. The only place that you will discover that you are never stuck, that by the supernatural power of God, that he has unstuck you. Galatians 5.1, which is not on the screen, says that Jesus has set us free for freedom, that we might consistently walk in it, right? And so to sustain a culture of revival, we need to create a place where people are allowed to be failed, or allowed to fail, and pursue intimacy with each other, provide personal responsibility, and call each other to those higher choices, sometimes with just your eyes or the expression. All I need to do to get someone to change is to communicate what I'm feeling. And if that person has value for me, they'll change. And if they don't have value for me, they won't do it. 
And so if we really value each other, let's hear each other out and, and really prize emotions even more than logic and just say, if someone tells me this is what they're feeling, I don't care if that makes sense or not. If they're feeling that way, I don't want them to feel that way. And I'm responsible to do something about it, meaning I can do something about it, right? So that's what it looks like to have a culture of honor. It looks like requiring people to be responsible to their actions, but having that place of intimacy where we can speak into their lives. And so I just want to pray over you guys right now. God, I just thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you that you've given us a community of people that are here to support us, of people that love us. When we open ourselves up to these people, God, you will watch over the connection. You will ensure that we will be safe and secure. This is a place where we can connect with each other. This is a place where we live under your protection. And I just thank you, Jesus, for each and every dream, for each and every emotion in every single person's heart. And I just pray for divine openness for all of us to be willing to share with one another. Because I've tried doing this alone, and I refuse to ever go back. I believe that even if this isn't the perfect place, God has placed me here. And this is where I can find a community, where I can find intimacy, where I can find that people affirm me and not reject me. And so, God, we just thank you for your acceptance of us and for our community's acceptance of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.